The nose is cold. <laughs> the nose is very, very cold. <laughs> Why are we having to wear gloves in our office? And if you're really that cold, you can just go stand in the corner because it's always 90 degrees in the corner. Get it? Welcome to TCAP Sleuth, your go-to podcast for all things education, technology, and innovation. I'm your host, Larry Burden, and today we're delving into the fascinating world of artificial intelligence and education. AI is transforming the way we learn and teach, and we're here to explore the potential challenges and opportunities it brings to our educational landscape. In this episode, we'll discuss how AI is personalizing learning, enhancing classroom experiences, and even changing the role of educators. Joining us today is TCAP's expert in the field, Danielle Brostrom, an educator with experience with students who are benefiting from AI in their classrooms. So whether you're an AI enthusiast, an educator looking to stay ahead of the curve, or even a student curious about the future of learning, stay tuned, because we've got a lot to uncover. This is TCAP's Loop, and we're about to dive deep into the world of artificial intelligence and education. Let's get started. But first, let's understand what AI in education truly means by asking ChatGPT for this week's TCAP's Loop moment of zen machine can do the work of 50 ordinary men but no machine can do the work of one extraordinary man alan turing i'm not even sure what to say larry (laughs) that was beautiful that intro was chat gpt i wondered yeah, yeah. I know with only really minor modifications. Okay. Very minor modifications. In fact, it put in spaces for music. I asked it for a podcast introduction featuring artificial intelligence and education. A T actually a T caps loop. Because I'm wondering if it actually would would dig into the T caps loop. So if it would somewhat represent our intro. I don't know if it got that deep. That's pretty good. That is the start to our um, our tip of the iceberg conversation about AI. So this is going to be part of a part one of a three part, possibly sure. series yeah. on AI. Yep. So with all that, where do you want to start with this? There's there's a lot. So my thought is for this episode, I really want to talk about what is AI. And talk about some of their realities, some of the things people are freaking out about. And then let's talk about what is awesome about AI and why I'm kind of coming along here. And then the next episode, I'd like to dive into some other things about how AI needs to change our classwork, do some futures thinking, and just move forward in that way. How do you feel about that? I feel great about that. I feel I feel overwhelmed. And I get completely get where probably a lot of our educators are feeling. Typically, I've, I've felt on the cusp of most of the things we've discussed, getting it, even in my field, being able to relate to or be ahead of the curve on most of the things we talk about in, in regards to ed tech. Not so much. I can't believe how fast we went from chat GPT is a thing to, as we said in the our first pot of the year, it went, it ramped from zero to 120 miles an hour in six months. And it's kind of funny because I remember some of our conversations last year about, 
oh, you know, we should, and you mentioned it again in that first episode, getting a group of um, experts in the field asking, let's slow this down. Let's make sure that we have control of it. To, to be honest, I think that was a silly thought. It, it really mm-hmm. was. There was no chance that that was going to happen. We've kind of recognized how these things do operate. So we're here. Yeah. So what is AI in education right now? Well, AI is everywhere. I feel like since it came out, I mean, we did our first pod talking about AI. I think it was in January. And I remember David was still in that overwhelmed, like, oh my gosh, look what it can do. I'm going to ask it to tell me jokes. I'm going to ask it to write a story. Like all those things that you do when you first. Do you remember your first search? By the way, we did not have David in that episode. That was ChatGPT. That was ChatGPT. Because I don't think he said anything that he didn't actually ask ChatGPT about. No, he did it. What was your, do you remember what your first search was? Like what was, the fir- what was the first or no. whatever search? What was the first thing you typed into ChatGPT? You're oh. like, hey, this is a thing. I want to see what it can do. Do you remember what you did? I do not. I do. It not. was mine was something totally goofy. It was like, oh, I'm gonna have it write a story about a a, a dinosaur that can do that. Like it was, it was totally not really useful, right? Mm-hmm. In the last week, I would say I have used ChatGPT to help me start an awkward email that I wasn't sure how to how to how to write it. I had it produce some multiple choice questions for an assignment thing that I needed to do and turn into somebody else. But I, I had I used it for productivity kind of stuff. Like six months, ten months, whatever it is, and all of a sudden we've gotten to this point where I feel like it is everywhere. I feel like people are using it. AI has become just a kind of part of what we do. And chat GPT has exploded as well. They now have two tiers. They have the regular tier, which you can get for free. And then if you want the more advanced features, you can get, you can pay for it. Um, It's going to be embedded into Google soon. I think everyone saw this opportunity to make money and was like, okay, I'm going to put it in this product. I'm going to put it in this product. I'm going to put it in this product. So like AI is here to stay. And this is the least powerful AI we're going to see. Like, it's only going to get more powerful and more embedded into what we do. So we can't not get on board, I think. We are in the generative AI stage. We're moving into the intuitive AI stage. And I think it's already getting there. I think that's the whole point of of, of AI is to move to a more intuitive phase. But uh, that's where the you know, we're going to see that ramp up in functionality and in usability for sure. For sure. So the first thing teachers freaked out about, students are going to use us to write essays and they're going to use us to do classwork and they're going to use it to cheat. Yeah. Yeah, they are. (laughs) So that's just a reality. That's just something that we've got to deal with. But before ChatGPT was here, they had their sisters or they had you know, that friend that gave them the assignment or like kids are always going to find ways to game the system. That's just what they do. So that becomes a part of what we need to talk to them about in the classroom. It just becomes a part of our preparation. It becomes a part of our daily, you know, we're, we're doing this assignment. Let's talk about what is okay and what is not. Because I don't think, I don't even think cheating is as black and white as it used to be, right? It used to be pretty standard, you know, okay, so you've got this paper. 
it's got three paragraphs in it that came from this other paper that your cousin wrote. You cheated. But I feel like now the ability of using ChatGPT to take that paper and change it and edit it and make it your own, I don't know. I think there's there's some nuance there with, with cheating even now with ChatGPT. When we're talking about education, we have to really define what we're trying to get our students to do, which on some level is mastery. We're, we're hoping that they master skills. If they have a different set of tools to use to master those skills, then we have to change the way we're creating our lessons because they are going to have those different tools. So to your point, cheating is going to look different because this isn't a cheating tool. This is a tool. Thank you. I wondered if you would look at me like I was when I said that cheating is going to look different. I, I just think it is. It's the same conversations, I'm sure, when the calculator was introduced. There are still teachers that think the calculator is cheating. So the other thing that I think we need to talk about, too, the AI detectors that are out there, they're not great. Teachers have been trying to find a way to look at that writing and tell whether it's been written by ChatGPT or the other AI models. And then they put it in some of those online detectors, and they're not great. They they make a lot of errors. I wouldn't even use those. David hit this even during that initial conversation about AI that if we're going down that road, we're, we're moving in the wrong direction. The road we need to go down is looking at our, our own pedagogy and the way we, we teach, recognizing that this is a new tool. So let's talk about how AI can support teaching and learning because I think there's a lot of possibilities there. You know, it can save teachers time. It can complete those mundane tasks that you have to do that are administrative that take away from teaching and learning and take away from working with kids. I think it can complete those things pretty quickly. I mean, you used that this morning to write your intro. Probably took minutes, which wouldn't have normally taken you... Not even that it would have taken a ton of time. Did it? Was it faster? Absolutely. The biggest part is it got it started. And I think that's the, the, the piece that for a lot of our students and a lot of people, whenever we're, we're prompted with a writing project or creating a lesson plan, it's the, oh boy, part. Well, this might get you through the, oh boy, part. And then you can start to personalize it, which is the second piece to this, which is it'll get you started. But then you have to go in because it's not going to be perfect. It's not even going to necessarily be good. Yeah, AI is really good at doing those first drafts. It's really good at summarizing content, creating presentations. Some of the things that I've seen online, you can just put in your topic and AI will create that base presentation for you, which um, saves a lot of time, saves a lot of brain power, all those things. I had a colleague, you had mentioned presentations. I had a colleague last spring who's very forward thinking as far as technology who said straight up, he hasn't created a presentation in two months. I can't remember which tool that he was using, but he was using an AI tool to generate all of his presentations. And he's like, this is, this is great. It's saving me so much time. And then you can go in, if you're an educator, if you're a teacher, you can go in and start doing the, the personalization and differentiation work that you really want to do there's just so much power here that I'm excited to see how we use it in the classroom. And there's a lot of new AI tools that I want to talk about today. That's the part I'm most excited about, Larry. Go into the tools. Thank you. I'm so excited about these ones. Thank you. Um, ChatGPT is obviously the first one. 
I've been really impressed with the way that you can use it for anything. I mean, I'm looking through my last searches and I've got things like give me a list of words that Shakespeare invented, build a playlist of songs based on the themes of Romeo and Juliet, uh, write me a smart goal for digital wellness in a district, (laughs) give me five questions to help understand privacy. And actually, another thing that I did recently is I took the entire transcript from a video on YouTube and bopped that in and said, give me some comprehension questions based on this video. And I just use the free version, but I've been really impressed with how um, robust it actually is. My second favorite is Perplexity, perplexity perplexity.ai. What I really like about Perplexity is that you can put in a topic and it will give you a couple paragraph explanation of the topic. It will give you some related questions you could ask about the topic. You can rewrite the topic, but it also gives you the sources at the top. I, I love that it is grabbing from reputable sources to build its answer. And it also um, gives you the tag so you can find exactly where it grabbed that piece of text from. I think that the fact that you can ask it follow-up questions, this is great for learning. I think of for kids that are struggling to understand a topic, being able to put it into perplexity and kind of have that conversation with it, there's a lot of power in that. I think any of these, they're only going to get stronger. And I think this is an important thing when we're talking about tools. Be mindful on how much time you're spending on new tools coming out because the education market is going to get flooded. Saturated. It's going to get saturated. Mm -hmm. And one out of 10 of these tools are going to be around next year. So be mindful about the time that you spent learning some of these because you might spend your time or resource on a tool that is not supported in a year. Correct. What else? What's next? Well, the third one, heypi.com. So, H-E-Y-P-I.com. It is a personal assistant. This is super, super cool. When you first log in, it's this um, like ivory colored screen. And over on the left-hand side, there's a home button. When you push on it, it gives you all kinds of different things that you can do. You can learn about something new. You can ask it to practice a big conversation, which I think is really powerful. Sometimes something that we kind of do in our head, frankly. But I think being able to have that conversation, if you're practicing a tricky conversation, weighing the pros and cons of a decision, I mean, this is kind of therapisty, but I really like that it has that conversation with you. Um, Shakespeare made up words. So does therapist-y? Danielle. <laughs> I do, I do. But even asking it, yesterday, I was having a conversation with it about something and I just said, Like, they gave terrible advice. And I said, no. And it said, gotcha. I know generic advice can be a snooze sometimes. Tell me more. And I thought it was really cool. So check out heypi.com. It could help kids with some of those crucial conversations. Sometimes we just need help with life. Sometimes. And sometimes you just need to talk to somebody that's not yourself. (laughs) So (laughs) heypi.com. What's next? Adobe Firefly. Okay. How do you feel about Adobe Firefly? I've only played with it a little bit. Okay. You say that like you have thoughts, though. It's making art. It's making art. I think that just like anything else, that that space is a work in progress. Yep. I think digital rights, the rights of the artists need to be respected. I think Adobe as a company should be 
very invested in those rights because that's also their customer base. So work in progress. I played with it a little bit. If you're an educator that maybe doesn't have the skill set to create some original content, but you have an idea, it could be a pretty useful tool or something to play around with with the kids. Give them a few prompts and see what what gets created. There, there's stuff there. I would make sure that your people don't have three legs and stuff, though, because you, AI still gets confused with people. I mm-hmm. noticed there's a lot of four-armed people and three-legged. Or, and you know, <laughs> you know, I'm Dry just saying, have, have, have fun with that, too. See where it like, takes you. Um, very similar to that, Canva has their Magic Design online studio, which has a lot of AI built into it. Um, it helps you create presentations. It will rewrite sections of your presentation that you would like to sound more casual or sound more flowery. It's great at even choosing like the best template. Um, check out Magic Design on Canva. That's another really good one for teachers. How often have you used that? I was just talking to one of my colleagues and they were they weren't as impressed as they thought they were going to be with it. They were definitely was a work in progress, but I see that one. Actually, I have a question for you. With a tool like this, with a company like Canva, where there is a user base that's large, um, they've really invested in the the educational sector. I'm curious how quickly the AI ramps up its functionality based upon its usage. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I haven't used it. My intro said you know it all. I do know it all. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know it all. I'm learning. <laughs> just like everybody else. Uh, Magic Design, I've used a couple times. I used it to create the starter presentation for something. And then I used it to um, rewrite some content because I was struggling with how to get it to sound like I wanted it to sound. It sounded way too formal. So I highlighted it into the Magic Rewrite and it changed it. And I went, oh, okay. I like that a little bit better. And then I made a couple tweaks to that and then it was done. So those are the pieces that I've used. I've tried to do the the art creator again and I just wasn't pleased with what I got. So I made my own or used the art that they gave me. There's a lot of work to do. This is not a, a mature technology, especially in that field. I think the text-based work is much farther along and much more useful. But I do think that there's a lot of potential there because it is Canva and a lot of people are using it and... Um, I haven't tried the translation stuff yet, though. That looks pretty good. So my favorite would be our Tech Tool of the Week. Tech Tool of the Week. Diffit.me. D-I-F-F-I-T dot me. It is fantastic for creating resources that are just right for students. You can put in... Any topic, any kind of content, I would use this to help me create intervention, to help me find things that are at, you know, when I'm looking at my class of fifth graders, for example, I have some kids that are ninth grade readers and some that are first and second grade readers. So I can take that standard that I've been given and I can put it into Diffit. And it will give it to me in that upper level. It will give it to me in that lower level. I can bop that easily within like two clicks. I can put that into all different kinds of resources for kids. And it's done. It's like all the things that I would normally have done in, well, I'd normally have written them. But but after that, I would have taken them from ChatGPT and I would have copied and I would have pasted it into a Google Doc. And then I would have pasted that into some type of box image thing in 
probably Google Drawings that would have had boxes where kids can help, can write like their the topic here and the um, the character part here, and just you would have spent a lot more time and a lot more brain power to create it. And diffit.me just does it for you. So, for example, I'm going to put in something like artificial intelligence and education. Wheels within wheels. All right, artificial intelligence and education. And let's put it at a third grade level. And I click generate resources. It tells me, reminder, I can adjust the length of the adapted reading passages using the adjust length toggle. I can print whatever sections I want, or I can open it with Google Docs, slides, or forms. It gives me my paragraph, four paragraphs about AI and education that's adapted to that reading level. It gives me a summary, key vocab words. I can also add in my own multiple choice questions, short answer questions, open-ended prompts. And then the power here, I think, is I can change the language. I can change the reading level, again, for my intervention kids or my kids that are super high above. And I can click that export and share button. And once I click export and share, it gives me different options for how to give that information to kids in a format that makes sense. It's pretty awesome. There was a an article that I was reading that mentioned, and I wish I, I, I got to find my source here, but I'll have it in the show notes. Teachers are time poor. I thought that was just so true. And that says it all. Any resource we have that could possibly assist and that, that lesson planning work where teachers do not have time during their day, their work day, to do their lesson planning. It, it, they don't. So when does that happen? On their own time. On their own time. This is something that would really, really assist in some of that work. Their privacy policy looks solid. It does say that currently it is free. It will become more of a paid robust version for schools next year. Um, so I would get in now and play with it and see what you think before it becomes um, something that you have to pay for. But there will always be the free basic version. You know, I was talking with Evan last week and we mentioned we were talking a little bit about ClassLink. When are we going to see some of these tools in our ClassLink dashboards? This might be putting you on the spot, but how far down the road do you see? Because I think in some cases... Maybe a year. Yeah. I think a year would be appropriate. I think there's appropriate and then there's the pace at which things are going. (laughs) No, I I think some of the prep work that we have to do, we have to find out which ones are going to match the privacy policies that we adhere to in the district. So ones that are appropriate for kids that are under 13, over 13, all that kind of stuff because chat GPT, not appropriate for kids under 13. So there's that piece of it with elementary as well. You know what? I'm going to stop you. Because we have three no. more. We have, well, here's, here's the thing. <laughs> You're stopping me. <laughs> I, I'm stopping you because this is, I think we're going to cover this. The, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is a preview of what we're going to be talking about probably in episodes two, uh, two and three of this, this series. Hey, is there anything else? Hey, nothing else today. <laughs> nothing Wait till next week. There we go. Hey, where can you be found, Danielle? I am on Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter. Artist, At the artist DA. formerly known as Twitter. All right. You can find TCAP Sloop on LinkedIn, Facebook, the artist formerly known as Twitter, uh, Instagram, still not on TikTok, and the YouTubes. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. By the way, rate. Please rate. We need to get up there. We need five stars. We need to embrace the five-star life. Please. 
Do it. Find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, rate, by the way, five stars, all these places. If, if you can rate, did I mention five stars? It's, she's just shaking her head because that's great for podcasting. It's, I'm just letting you go. <laughs> all right. The five stars? Did I mention five stars? We got it. All right. Uh, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Podbean, CastBox, Overcast, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Thanks for listening and inspiring. And my job is to create chaos. <laughs> <laughs>